With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Controlled and accomplished at Spurs out of control and needing another couple of magical moments of brilliance from our Portuguese duo in Italy. Another chaotic week at Manchester United. Questions answered, critics quietened on Saturday and then questions posed and critics proven right on Tuesday. Welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast with me, Harry Robinson and Jack Tate. We delayed recording last week to let things develop after the catastrophic Liverpool result and then we did so again this week to see whether Saturday's win at Spurs was indicative of improvement overall or a one-off or a bit of both and the answer is probably the latter it seems there's now the small matter of a Manchester derby on Saturday lunchtime and we'll preview that as well and then we'll be answering some questions from our patrons throughout the show instead of in the normal bonus Q&A at the end Jack let's begin with Spurs I think because it was a result uh, well it was a performance in fact we learn more from I think a display of resilience and uh, a certain amount of bravery and a good performance. And then after that, we'll get onto the the drama of Italy in Bergamo. Tottenham, we saw yeah a resilient squad, a resilient manager. And it, it was this strange kind of balance where I don't think it was papering over the cracks because I think it was a, a, a good performance from the players and the manager, but it's also not a long-term solution but a very good day for Ole and United on Saturday at least. Yeah, I think looking at the Spurs game in isolation, forget for a second what it might mean going forward. I actually thought the Spurs game was about as impressive as we could have hoped for coming off the back of the Liverpool game. I think that Spurs game, obviously with the terrible result the week before, the reports that Ole had three games to save his job, the fact that there were sections of our fan base almost wanting us to lose. I think that Spurs game was a potential hiding to nothing for United and for Solskjaer. There was very little that could be gained from that game because I think you you put in a good performance and it can be, you know, well, one week ago you lost 5-0 to Liverpool. You put in a bad performance and obviously the critics are getting even louder. Solskjaer's potentially out of a job. And also we were playing against the Spurs team that are themselves not in a good run of form. But I actually think we came out of it 
with about as positive a result and as positive a performance and as positive a mindset as it was possible to come out of that game with for two reasons. One, we obviously played well, but I think more importantly, we played well with Cristiano Ronaldo and with Cristiano Ronaldo as a huge focal point of everything that we were doing on the ball. And he has obviously been the centre of a lot of, maybe not the criticism, but has been given as a big reason as to why this United team hasn't been able to play. And then second, because it came about due to a tactical change that sort of proved that at least in some games, Solskjaer really does have the ability and the capacity as manager to set us up in a way that is beneficial to the team and maximises the parts that we have. And so I actually think there was a lot of positives to take from the Spurs game in isolation. Obviously extrapolating from that and what it means going forward was a much harder conversation. And I think what we saw against Atalanta probably proves that the Spurs game probably isn't a huge, you know, (laughs) a huge harbinger of things to come. But I think that that performance in isolation is very unfashionable and unpopular at the moment to say anything positive about United. But I think they actually deserved a lot of credit for that performance against Spurs. I think in fairness, he... And it, well, Solskjaer and United got did get a lot of credit for that, and I think it was because it was so clearly a yes, a, a really poor Spurs team, really poor, and maybe they were even worse against us than we were against Liverpool. Possibly, some people have suggested that, but I think everyone gave well, pretty much everyone except the kind of talk sport. Uh, attention-seeking critics gave Solskjaer a lot of credit because not only was it very good, but it was brave to change system when he was under so much pressure. He handled the media yeah. well all throughout the week. And th- this is one of his great qualities is his ability to deal with these negative moments in a, a dignified and humble manner and to come out of them and and for at least in the short term, we'll see about the long term, but turn it around slightly. Spurs were terrible, but I think what was so impressive was just, it was a very controlled United performance. Um, yeah. I think the most controlled performance this season, definitely, if not the best, but I think probably the best. The defence was compact and tight. Everyone knew their roles very well. The players were put into positions that suited them. Varane gave us some proper defensive leadership from the back. I thought Wan-Bissaka was excellent. McTominay was excellent in a a lot more... It it seemed like he'd been liberated from a little from those defensive duties, which sometimes uh, consume him. And and yeah, the key to it was the defensive framework. And that obviously comes down to numbers, obviously. And there's a point being made that if you play three at the back, it's because you don't trust the defenders. And that's probably true. I think uh, that is true. And given how much we spent on the defence, not good enough. But it, the, the defensive frame, it was a proper structure where people knew their roles. And it meant the whole team had a structure. So you didn't see, and this wasn't just the defence, but clearly Bruno Fernandes had a proper role. He wasn't this yeah. wandering, free roaming player. He was the number 10 in the formation and he slotted back into right central midfield when necessary. And that was completely essential in other games against other teams, maybe better teams, maybe worse teams. And then I think that two man strike force of Ronaldo and Cavani could be really isolated and Bruno will look and be frustrated, but that setup obviously can work and it allowed, uh, it allows for proper kind of pressing structure as well, because someone like McTominay and Fred could go forward with the knowledge that they had a bit of cover, an extra man behind them. So it was both obviously just on a sheer numbers point, but also that was, it was clearly well drilled that team. And I think the biggest critic that everyone 
criticism everyone will always say of Solskjaer United is you look at them and think, have they actually done this on the train? Like, do they look like they've been doing this on the training ground? Is there a clear idea? And this was a proper, you knew United had been working this on the training ground and it paid off. Yeah, and uh, the point on the three-man defence, I think you do, generally you use a three-man defence because you don't trust your defenders. I think that is, especially when you don't always default to a three-man defence. You know, in say, Tuchel or Conte's case, maybe not because that is sort of their system. But in the case of something like this, where you're changing to a three-back, I think, yes, absolutely you do it because you don't trust your defence. But that doesn't mean that just by slapping three, and you know, an extra centre-back on the pitch and having three centre-backs and two full-backs on the pitch doesn't automatically mean that your defence is better. You know, I, I instantly, as I was thinking about that as you were speaking, Harry, was reminded of, I think it was 2015 when United went to the Emirates and played three at the back with Tyler Blackett at <laughs> left centre-back. And it was yeah. all over the place. It was one of the worst defensive performances I've ever seen for, from United. It was, it was when, one of the 3-0 uh, down, didn't, wasn't it? In like 20 minutes. Yeah, I, I was there. I was sitting in the home end for that one. I remember with my dad and I think it was Schweinsteiger had been told to mark Cazorla and Cazorla just dragged him all yeah. over the pitch and the massive holes and yeah, yeah, 3-0 down. And so that's what I mean. Just just because you slap an extra centre-back on the pitch, it doesn't automatically mean that you suddenly become this great defensive team. It takes structure, it takes organisation and it might be a little bit it easier. It does help when the centre-back's Rafael Varane. Though. It does, it does. And, it, and don't get me wrong, it's easier to create that defensive structure when you do have an extra defender on the pitch. Absolutely it does. But it yeah. doesn't just come out of thin air. It still requires, you know, a lot of work to, to make that happen. And so, you know, I, I think there was a lot of good that came out of that. I thought what was particularly pleasing was how aggressive we were in defence. Sometimes with a three-man defence, you can be sort of caught up in having all of those players in defence. And the the benefit of three at the back is generally that you always have at least one, often two spare defenders. And so when either a striker drops deep or a midfielder pushes up, you can go and engage really high up the pitch with some of your best defenders. And sometimes when you play three at the back, you get sort of caught in this idea that the whole point of three at the back is that you have more defenders back. And so you don't go and engage high up the pitch. But United were brilliant at that. The first goal comes from Maguire basically being, I can't remember who it was now, it might have been Hoybier, uh, but whoever it was, he was, you know, almost on the edge of Spurs' box, pressing the ball. We win it back and Fernandes clips it over to Ronaldo. You know, those sort of moments were very, very good for United. Again, obviously the, the question about it was, is three at the back sustainable? No, it's not because A, the optics of playing three at the back when you're playing worse teams is simply not good enough at United. And also it doesn't suit our team. The depth that we have yeah. is as in the forwards and the wingers and this formation that we can, means that we can basically only play three attacking players. In this case, it was Fernandez, uh, Ronaldo and Cavani. And then on the bench, you've got, you know, Rashford, Greenwood, Sancho, Van der Beek, Lingard. You know, and Martial yeah. there are just too many yeah. United attackers we've, to yeah, make we've that got a couple of questions on that and we'll we'll go into it more in a second but I think the, Bruno Fernandes off the ball is kind of the indicator of how well set up United are because he has just been I think it, it, it's the biggest it's the most obvious thing that's been wrong this season is just how because his defensive work rate is is brilliant and his uh, his contribution is massive. And then you saw this season kind of him pressing kind of in, instead of Ronaldo going up next to Ronaldo and then in front of him and pressing the keeper and it just left these massive gaps. And instead against Spurs, it, it was clear he had a specific role. He had basically had two different positions in and out of possession. He was number 10 in possession, the right central midfielder out of possession. And that's 
some sophistication. And and before we talk about the sustainability of the three at the back, and uh, I agree with what you said, and we can more on that in a second. But th- some credit for Solskjaer came in. The players had Monday off after the the battering on Sunday, uh, which is normal after a Sunday game. If there's no uh, midweek game, it wasn't uh, a decision taken after defeat. But for Solskjaer. I mean the press the the pressure he was under is just completely unimaginable to any of us I think the the world's media reporting on your job being on the line and scrutinizing your every move and every word for the next 6 days or whatever but he credit and this doesn't mean I think he should I think he should have been safe from the sack that doesn't mean any of that but just credit for the fact that he came in having thought about it on Monday, Sunday evening and Monday and came in on Tuesday with a very clear plan and set it out to his players while under that massive pressure to take some, not just ability, but incredible attitude and mentality. And uh, I don't think, I think he was given a lot of credit, but I don't think it's it's kind of recognised just how how hard that is. Especially when it's a formation that you don't play regularly. You know, this United, when was the last time we played three at the back? Yeah. I'm actually not sure. It, it, it's got to be about a year it over was, a year ago. Uh, about eighteen months ago, I think. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. was it actually? Did we play? Did we play three at the back when we played PSG last year? When Twanzebe played brilliantly against Mbappe. Yeah, Twanzebe came in. Yeah. And that was October, so yeah. just yeah, just over, I think. Yeah, and I mean that's not easy to just do that in four or five days on the training training ground, especially when really the guy that you want spearheading that defence is a, is a guy who's been at the club for four months in Varane. Obviously a very, very good and accomplished player, but it's not easy to, to accomplish that. And also to have, as I said, it, it's, it's somewhat easy to set up a three-man defence on their own, but to have the defensive structure with the midfield and the attack as well, that, that you know, that clearly shows that there, there is the ability in this United coaching staff to, to create very good, tactics and to create very good game plans like this. Yeah. Uh, so like I said, it it's difficult to take too much out of the Spurs game because the game we've seen since then, maybe didn't discredit what we saw in the Spurs game, but at least called into question how often we're going to be able to produce it. Yeah. But that game in isolation, I think UK th- there was there wasn't much that was that positive that you could potentially go and take out of that game before it started. I, I certainly felt like it, there was pretty much only bad things could come out of this game. And even if you put in a good performance, there was very little that could be taken yeah. out of it. But I think, especially because the performance wasn't just based on United has better players than Spurs. It was United has better players than Spurs and they are set up better than Spurs. It was about as positive as we could have been after yeah. that game. Spurs were rubbish and are rubbish. They were. Um, and we'll see how they do on the Conte now. We got, we had a question. It's quite from, funny now to think that that game probably was effectively loser gets Conte. Yeah. Although I, I don't actually Maybe. think that's true. I think Spurs losing meant they got Conte, but I think us losing didn't change too much really. Uh, I think the pressure would be massive, but I don't think he would have been sacked immediately after that. Uh, not at all. Uh, I, I think it is. We had a question from one of our patrons, Corey Lennox, who said, We saw the formation we wanted, we got the result we wanted. Overall performance still wasn't the best. Does this change anything for Ole and can he actually save his job? I think he can save his job if we saw a lot more of that. What I thought afterwards is 
it does sometimes take a wake up call for managers and good managers shouldn't and wouldn't let it take so long. The warning signs have been there all season for United and, and Solskjaer should have, should have made a change earlier than he did. But it did, Liverpool could have been a wake up. Now, what we saw against Atalanta wasn't enough, but to take Antonio Conte, you, you mentioned that he always plays three at the back and, and well, not always, but you said, yeah, his, his, his normal is to play three at the back. But when he started at Chelsea, he played with a four and then they got beaten comprehensively at Arsenal playing a four-man defence. And I think it, it might have even been at half-time of that game, but certainly afterwards he switched to a three-man defence and they soon won the league. And it's happened with other managers. Fergie often switched things after big defeats. Managers do it all the time. They do sometimes need a wake-up call because you, you kind of... It, it happens in, in all of life, but also in football where you're you just you're set along a path and you kind of don't... You, you don't realise what's going on. Um, and you should. Uh, so yeah, if that was the wake up call and then this is Atalanta is a blip, then yeah, he can save his job. But I think Atalanta really showed us the same as we've seen many, many times before. Uh, should we talk first? In fact, just before we move on from Spurs and go on to Atalanta, and then after that, we'll talk about the future of the formation. A word, because the goals against Atalanta were great, but a word for the goals at Spurs, which were all absolutely brilliant as well um, Ronaldo with two moments of brilliant quality and Rashford off the bench who's scored three goals in four in his first four games back which is serious and he looks properly fresh and exciting yeah I mean it was it was just brilliant just brilliant to watch I mean the first goal there's, there's not much more that you can say about them to be honest I mean I think it, it's actually gone on the, under the radar I think how good uh, Bruno Fernandes has been this season you know, I, I, he hasn't been putting up the, the goal contributions that he had that had been last season, especially not the goals itself. But I mean, he's still the amount of chances he creates was, was is still absolutely phenomenal. It is honestly kind of ridiculous the volume of chances that he creates. The, I think what what I loved about the first goal so, like I mentioned earlier, it comes from us pressing very high up the pitch. It comes from Maguire winning the ball back, and then I mean. The, what, what more can you say about Fernandez and Ronaldo? The, the ball over the top, the finish, the, the, the camera angle on TV was perfect behind the volley as well, because often those sort of goals, it, you, you're sort of running in the right direction to just sort of volley it ahead. But the Ronaldo, the angle he had to get on that volley to get it into the far corner. Yeah. As it's dropping over, was it Romero's head or Davis's head? I mean, yeah, yeah, it's just sublime. Yeah. And then the other goals, I mean, Rashford took his goal brilliantly. Cavani and Ronaldo also, up beautifully you, you, there. You talk about uh, Fernandes and Ronaldo and then we've also seen again against Atalanta yeah. um, another moment of just brilliant. Uh, uh, the awareness, uh, first for uh, first for the, the Ronaldo volley against Spurs, the, you see Fernandes look up as he when he receives the ball, he looks up and within like a split second, he yeah. sees it. And then the execution of that pass is incredible. The way it the way it hangs in the air just over Davies' head and drops perfectly. Uh, yeah, the flight of the ball. It's and, so difficult to do. Yeah. A, with the ball still at his feet as well, it, that's a little bit easier to play a pass that if the ball's rolling towards you. But with a, from a, a, a basically a dead ball, to clip that with that sort of flight on it is so difficult. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Brilliant finish from Rashford and uh, Cavani, obviously, but we knew that. Um, 
but Rashford's choosing exactly the right finish in that situation. Sometimes we've seen him mess those up. Uh, sometimes it's needed like one in three for him to score, but so far I'd say he's converting kind of one in every two big chances probably since he came back, yeah. um, which is great. And Fernandez, by the way, le- leading the league in chances created with 23 yeah. ahead of Trent Alexander-Arnold. And only, and only four of those have come from set pieces compared to... Trent and Matt Ritchie, who are second and third, both have 10 from set pieces. So, you know, his creative ability is, it's quite incredible at the moment. Yeah. Despite the fact that he may not be producing the goals that he was last season. Yeah. And I think he's frustrating more than ever, I think. Partly because United are are losing, of course, and and drawing games. But he is, even against Spurs, the the number of times he was losing possession um, was, was frustrating. But then those moments of magic happen and it, it becomes worth it. Uh, preparing for preparing for that all over again this week against Man City when we're yeah. you know, defending for 85 minutes and we finally win the ball back and Bruno tries a 60-yard pass that goes straight out of play. Yeah, yeah, but that's him. Um, it's beautiful yeah. when it works and you just have to remember that when uh, when it doesn't. Um, and yeah, Ronaldo and Cavani together, great fun. Uh, love that. And yeah. uh, we've spoken about Ronaldo and many other people, but I just want to emphasise just how much I love Edison Cavani. He is just, great. I mean, I was saying this to my brother in, I got back from Bergamo a few hours ago, we were recording this just after I came back from the airport. I've said there uh, before match, I honestly think Cavani's probably in my top three, top five favourite United players ever already. Just absolutely adore him. The way, the way he plays, his attitude, is the way he lifts the team as well. He's brilliant. Let's talk Atalanta. Again, two amazing goals from Ronaldo. I think a lot we've done some of the talking already on that and lots of other people have done so. It's a decent result in the Champions League, made less decent by the fact we lost the young boys on the first game and the manner in which it was achieved was poor, I think. And these kind of results in isolation seem right, but as we've said, they're part of the wider problem. It's not good enough to be doing yeah. these. This is a, it was a, a game like Villa, like Everton, like Villarreal. my brain is, yeah, Villarreal, my brain has erased many of them already from this season, but it's a game we've seen before and we will see again, I think. It was obviously a massive shame that Varane went off, but even before that, I don't think we were playing yeah. particularly well. Pogba and Maguire were, were rubbish. Um, the three-man defence gave me some confidence at the start, but it didn't give us the same defensive solidity. I don't think Pogba no. playing helped. Um, I think he's. it's one of those where he's not been scapegoated. The game wasn't his fault, but I think just the last two weeks of Paul Pogba have just been so poor coming on against Liverpool getting that ridiculous red and I just don't how many times will we trust him and and be let down I know it helps to have a a fresh player in midfield and then it lets you rest a player before City but when you combine his recent average performances the red card against Liverpool and the fact that he won't steal you just think why is, why is this guy starting for United? I mean, he, he pretty much can't play in, in midfield now for United. I think that's that's kind of the point that we're at. Yeah. And that, like you said, this isn't him being scapegoated or anything like that, which has happened in the past. He's just simply been terrible. He's been terrible for a few weeks yeah. and these last couple of performances have, have kind of sealed that. After an amazing start to the season as well. Yeah, which is which makes it all the more frustrating because you yeah. saw the way that he can contribute 
but basically now at this point I've I think I view Pogba as basically only a viable option as a left winger I don't think he can play in midfield for United at the moment because he's going to be in a midfield too and especially because we are so vulnerable at the back he can't be trusted there um, but it, I mean it's, it's obviously not just him you know Maguire was awful against Atalanta and has been mm-hmm. really bad ever so since he came back from injury yeah. and it's, it's really alarming honestly how far he's dropped off because and we mentioned it a lot last season he was genuinely brilliant last season from about October really good, yeah. onwards so he got the red card for England was on international duty it was after duty, the and he Newcastle came game I think in yeah, October and he, yeah and from then on he was absolutely brilliant and this yeah. season, he was okay, you know, not unremarkable until, you know, just before the last international break. And then he was obviously, not not just him, but everyone was bad against Liverpool. And against Atalanta, it was just baffling watching him. There was a point, you know, I think it was like the 93rd, 94th minute after Ronaldo scored, when some an Atalanta player put a long ball into the box. And Maguire's letting it drop across the face of the box yeah. when there's an Atalanta player behind him. I mean, what, like... What goes through your head as a centre-back to let that ball drop in your own box? And he ended up getting away with it. And I think he got, may have got fouled or he went out for a throw. But it's just some of the decision-making is baffling. And it, again, it's not just them two, but I think the, the Atalanta game was, it was really deflating, yeah. honestly, because we'd seen some positive signs against Spurs. And it was just deflating to, you know, the ever the optimist, you kind of hope that the Spurs game was sort of a, a sign that the message had got across. This was a wake-up call against Liverpool. And maybe we're sort of turning a corner... Obviously, the Varane injury didn't help, but even before that, the signs were there. We obviously conceded with Varane mm-hmm. on the pitch. And it, even before that, defensively, we we didn't have the same intensity that we had. And I think that a lot of that came through because the press from midfield and, and the forwards and the wingbacks wasn't as good, wasn't as coordinated. I also think... It, yeah, it, it was just a really bad performance. It, it just seems to me like a, so much of the good stuff from last season hasn't been carried over. So Solskjaer often spoke and, and Shaw as well himself spoke about how a lot of the reason behind his good form was not that Tellez pushed him on to be better, but that having Tellez in his squad meant Shaw could come off after. And then, to be fair, it's probably also because there were five subs in a lot of competitions. So this was easy to do, but Shaw could often come off for Tellez uh, at about 60 minutes if United were winning or Tellez would play in the Europa League. And obviously there's a difference with the Champions League, but Shaw's playing pretty much every game. Tellez isn't being trusted. Until Shaw's been injured, and he just he, he it looks he looks like he he used to instead of the fresh and and kind of all conquering Luke Shaw we saw from about October to for for about yeah ten months for United in England he was so good same with Maguire um, Maguire for uh, well the reasons with Maguire I have no idea with Shaw it, it just seems to me he doesn't look like as fit as he was he doesn't look just yeah as energetic and you just think Alex Tellers is sitting there he's he should be used um especially if we're playing with with wing backs and yeah just it's not the the only thing there's a few things from last season it's just think why why have these why haven't we learned from these and, and continued them or 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 improved them it's a curious thing that so many of the players that really stepped up last season like Maguire like Luke Shaw haven't been able to kind of carry that on yeah. and carry that forward. Yeah. It's a really, you know, just, I, I don't, I don't say that to, you know, to point finger at anyone in particular, whether it's them or the coaching stuff. I, I, I honestly don't know why that's happening and who is to blame for that, but it's just a really puzzling thing that, you know, players who not only had a great 
last season, but also played so well at the Euros as well. Yeah. You know, Shaw and Maguire were, I think Maguire was nominated for player of the tournament at the Euros. And when he came back from injury, he was so Man, good. A match injury. against Germany. Yeah. And he was, you know, very, very good all tournament. Shaw was brilliant, nailed down that left back spot. You know, there yeah. was, there's no, there's nothing obvious to suggest why they shouldn't be playing like that. In Maguire's case, maybe the Leicester game, he was rushed back and there were reports today that supposedly he should needed like another week and was rushed back to the Leicester game. So maybe he's still carrying a bit of an injury, but I don't think that can explain all of it because maybe physically he's not at his best shape, but it's just mental decision-making that's all over the place with Maguire at the moment. You know, it, it's quite, yeah. it's really quite puzzling how many of the players that really stepped up and played so well for a lot of last season now seem to have sort of gone back to their level before then. Yeah, and I, I, the Atalanta game, I think just to talk more generally about it, I think it was just frustrating that even if we didn't have a great performance, it would have been good to see some of that collectiveness, not necessarily in terms of like team spirit, but collectiveness in terms of the way that we played, the way that we moved as a as a unit. And it, it just wasn't there. We, everything was very, very disjointed. Yeah, can you... So uh, I was there and after having a lovely day in Italy, my awareness of what was going on was probably less than, uh, my analytical part of my mind was probably less than a hundred percent. Um, I've watched the highlights back, but so what was like the, what was the pressing like? Was it anywhere near as good as Spurs or was it just not there at all? No, it, it wasn't, it wasn't there at all. It was just that it, it was disjointed again. Rashford would, yeah. would sort of try and press quite a lot. And didn't, and I don't know if this is down to Rashford or down to his teammates, but he would often go on his own. Fernandez would sometimes go on his own. But basically, I, th- I thought one of the main issues was that we didn't have the wing backs and one of the centre backs pushing forward like we did against Spurs. So against Spurs, you'd have, say, Cavani pressing, and then you'd have Shaw pressing as well to stop the outball to the fullback. Then you'd have Maguire stepping in to stop the, the outball to either Son or Kane or, or maybe one of the midfielders. Then you'd obviously have Fred McTominay or Fernandez kind of bunching in that corner as well. But that just didn't seem to happen against Atalanta. If Rashford did press, maybe you'd see Fernandez come, but there were so many times that Shaw and Wambasaka weren't pushing forward. So the outball to the wing back was very, very simple. Then also when we were playing three at the back, so we obviously went to four it, later. None of the centre backs were pushing out either. It wasn't that Cavani being replaced by Rashford was the problem. It was Rashford was still doing the Cavani role, but he wasn't being joined. I mean, I don't think Rashford did it quite as often and quite as well as Cavani, but it wasn't as yeah. if it was non-existent from Rashford. There was much bigger problems than just that. It was that it, no, no one was joining it. It seemed very disjointed. When Rashford right. did go, no one sort of joined him. Yeah. Strange. Do you think it was the right decision to stick with the three? Yes, I, I think so, ultimately. Because after going after having such a positive performance against Spurs, I don't see how you could have really gone away from that. Especially when you know, there, there was so much criticism and you'd, you'd had such a torrid time trying to play four at the back against Liverpool. And listen, Atalanta are are nowhere near Liverpool standard and are still a team that we should be beating. But the way that they play, I think made three at the back a more viable strategy, a more viable tactic because they are a team that likes to play fast football. They keep the ball a lot. This wasn't like a Villarreal type game where they were going to sit back and hit us on the counter attack. You know, they were going to come at us. They were going to press us high. And so having those extra, extra men back there who, and you know, we've shown at least in the Spurs game that three at the back is how we, we press and how we work as a unit best. And I, I felt that yeah. that was what we needed against Atalanta. So I was fine with three at the back. Yeah. Um, all right. We've got a few more questions 
and and things to talk about uh, before we go on to whether three at the back sustainable. Van der Beek and Sancho coming on was nice to see. I mean, I think it was kind of a desperate last throw of the dice, really. But they combined quite nicely. Is I think is that the first Van time we've Bacon seen them together from a Sancho assist? Yeah, I, it, they they probably played it. They played it young boys together, didn't they? But then Sancho had to come off after Wembasak was sent off. So it wasn't, yeah. and they were looking good against young boys, to be fair. But not, so not the first time we've seen them together, but one of the first. And um, yeah, they combined nicely. They're two players who who theoretically should work very well together and they did seem to and hopefully we can see more of that um, I do think there's a because there's, there's a lot of different profiles of attackers in the United team and this is kind of goes into the 3-5-2 idea um, that, that you do have this kind of you can uh, the idea that Van der Beek Sancho and Lingard could play together they seem like they could fit really well together. Same, I mean, even Mata could play really well with Under Bacon Sancho. That'd be lovely to see. And then there's the other type of attacker like Rashford Green with Ronaldo. And then there's kind of the Cavani Martial style. So there is, I do feel like there's a, you, you can pick out like a few different good attacks together and Van der Beek and Sancho certainly fit together. And then, so we've got questions from who asked them, Michael Byers, Modnaya and Dave Shevlin all asked similar questions about, is it sustainable, the 3-5-2? It's obviously a good potential tactic for certain games, definitely. But as you said way earlier in the, in the episode, three forward positions, five strikers for two positions, Ronaldo Cavani, Martial, Rashford and Greenwood, and then four number 10s for the one position, Bruno Lingard, Sancho and Van der Beek. And that's not even including matter, but I don't think we do need to include him. Um, but yes, nine potential players and three players. It does, it doesn't quite work. Ronaldo is going to play two in every three, isn't he? And then I don't think Greenwood can really play alongside Ronaldo that well. Although obviously Greenwood got the assist for Ronaldo's goal and he did play well when he came on. I don't think Rashford and Ronaldo works. I think the ideal is Ronaldo and Cavani or maybe Ronaldo and Van der Beek or Sancho is kind of a, a deeper striker. And then I think the other players can play well together as well. But it's just, it's, it's not sustainable having that many great attackers on the bench. And Dave asked about, are we concerned about how little Sancho has been in the team? It, it, it is concerning because we chased him for so long. We said this last week as well, I think maybe the week before, but yeah, it is concerning. I don't know why. I, I don't think it's mismanagement of Sancho directly. I think it's the mismanagement of the team has led to a, not a bad start for Sancho, but less good than we would have hoped. I mean, when you look at it from sort of a big picture, we, we chased this guy for two years he was seen as sort of the answer to all of our problems, maybe not all of our problems, but you know, the answer to a lot of our problems in attack, finally giving us a right wing option. And he's come in after we chased him for two years. He hasn't been played in his right position. I don't think he's played on the right once. Yeah. At United, certainly not from the start. He's then been rotated in and out of the team, not really given as many opportunities as he should. When we needed a goal against Atalanta for over half an hour last night, he comes on for the final five minutes. You know, it is, he, he didn't, hit the ground running at United. We have to acknowledge that. But he's also not been put in a position to succeed. He's largely been set up to fail at United. And that is a really sad position to be in when this wasn't a transfer that sort of came out of nowhere. This is a guy we chased for two years and we're planning for. And the mismanagement, I think, is is really indicative of, of just how poorly this squad has been managed and how we're struggling to get the most out of a very talented group of players. So yeah, I, I am concerned. 
I hope they'll get more opportunities. And I was, I was honestly very surprised that he didn't start against Atalanta because I thought that would sort of the perfect opportunity to to get him some game yeah. time. There's just been so many opportunities where you think this is great for, this would be great for Sancho. And yeah. then, yeah, sometimes he comes on for the last five, but he needs more than that. Um, has he played a full 90 minutes yet? And last night was a great one, not even just from the start, but I mean, we went behind. It was, I can't remember the exact minute, but it was 50 something. It was like 57 minutes, I think, when we went behind. You know, it was 35 minutes of that game where we had to respond and Sancho was sat on the bench till 85. Yeah. That, that just doesn't make sense. And I mean, Greenwood came on ahead of him for Varane. Grimmie did well, to be fair, but um, yeah, it's not a slight against him, but just pointing that out. And Cavani came on ahead of him as well, which, you know, not necessarily a wrong decision, but you have a guy on the bench who's one of the best, has been one of the best creators in world football in the last three years, and you've kept him on the bench until five minutes to go. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We better move on to the City game unless there's anything more from Atlanta. Oh, the only thing I want to say, which I was saying to you before recording, Jack was asking how the the equaliser was in the away end and it was brilliant it was lovely because um, Atalanta have renovated their stadium but the away end is still still a shithole basically um, it's like it's, it's the outside of the stadium even like the outside but also the inside is all modern everywhere except the away end which is still old and like tiny plastic seats on concrete uh, but it has like a big you're quite far from the pitch but it has like a big open bit you can just walk around in behind a, a fence so you can't see the pitch from it but it was nice to just it was like an, a concourse by the pitch um, so cool away but yeah the, uh, brilliant celebrations and, and it was loud the night and the atmosphere from the Atlanta fans was was brilliant as well uh, felt like very special being there f- like for the Champions League music celebrations were great but I was just thinking why did we celebrate so much after the second goal should have been going for the for the win I mean Ronaldo led it and then I guess if you're his teammates you're not going to not go with him and I get like he's obviously a huge relief and and release of energy especially after a goal like that but I did just think come on get back to the halfway line and and let's go for the winner um, obviously the VAR check put a slight dampener on it as well even though it was even though it stood in the end let's move on to City and talk about Fran's injuries out for four weeks at least two of those will be for the international break so it's not as bad as it could be but he's going to miss City Villarreal away probably Chelsea I would think and Watford away uh, and then maybe I guess he could be back for Palace or Arsenal uh, those are at the start both at the start of December Simon asks what are your thoughts on the defence working right now and what do you think the value of Ran is for our defence he looks we look like a completely different team when he plays I think that's true he's just such a as Solskjaer said as well he's such a calming influence he's such a good player it is a massive miss especially in if Maguire was in good form and Shaw was in good form it wouldn't matter so much but they're not and we need Varane and it's for him to get injured again is is very frustrating especially out of City which is going to be a very difficult and possibly horrific game yeah it was a massive blow massive blow to see him go down and he was so important against Spurs as well and you're thinking that three at the back is really seemed like a bit of our last hope in this run of games to you know stay sort of solid at the back and so, yeah, it was a real, real blow to see him go down. And a month is a lot longer than I think we would have hoped. Obviously, like you said, two of those being the international break is 
uh, as a bit of a break for us and some good fortune. Um, it also makes it really hard to to keep going, persisting with three at the back against City, which could leave us in a world of trouble because now if you really want to play three at the back, assuming that Lindelof is out, who also picked up a knock in training the day before the Atalanta game, you're probably looking at a back three of Bailly, Maguire and Luke Shaw with Tellez at left wing back. Now, <laughs> I don't think that's a combination that a inspires much confidence and B has ever played together. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. it, you know, certainly not as three center backs, all, all three of them for United. So not something that inspires a lot of confidence. And I, I'd say it's, if, it's difficult to see many positives going into this weekend. If Lindelof is back, do you think back three? Cause it is, it's yeah, not something. I think it will be. Yeah. Cause it, but it's not like for, for Spurs, it was, although maybe we used it against Spurs in the past, but for like Atalanta, it was kind of a, a new thing. It was obviously, yeah. it's worked, but we have played a back three against City are probably our most regular team we've played the back three against. It was Shaw and Williams, kind of that double up of the left back before. And that worked really well. Um, and I do I think, think, I think if Lindelof's available, yeah. we'll play three at the back. And to be fair, because City, the problem is dealing with, City's kind of midfield runners, the ones that come from deep. Yep. It's not dealing with the striker because Jesus plays. Yes, he's there for the tap in sometimes, but he can play deep and he's, I mean. It, and he's been played on the right wing mostly when he has played yeah, this season. Yeah, he might anyway. not play at all. Uh, so it's. It's generally, and I think he's injured now, but it was generally been Ferran Torres playing as sort of the most cent, most advanced player in central yeah, areas. Yeah, so you, kind of, you probably want that spare man to be able to track those midfield runners, but still maintain some structure. So we probably yeah. will go for it, won't we? But again, it, it comes back to this thing of if you play three at the back against City, you have to be very proactive as centre-backs yeah. about stepping out and putting pressure on the ball when those City midfielders either drop deep or push forward. Because if you let them just have the run on you, they're, they're just going to be able to play balls in behind constantly. You, you can't let them have the ball unpressured in midfield. You have to be willing to step out like we did so well against Spurs. We have to do that against City because because they don't often play without a recognised striker, it, there is a, there's a very, very easy scenario where you could literally end up with three players, three of your best defenders, basically doing nothing for a lot of yeah. the game. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Could be, could be difficult. Would probably help if it was away, to be honest, because it's a, it's a lot easier yeah. to play that kind of setting back out and attacking away from home than it is at home with an expectant I mean, crowd. and we have a phenomenal record at the Etihad yeah. in recent years and a, not a great one at home against Man City. Yeah, we, I was talking about that the other day as well. It's, I've, I was trying to remember when we last lost to the Etihad. I think it was the... Because we won in, we won there th- three... We won there twice last season, didn't we? Or did we play them? In- yeah, last time we lost there was November 2018. We lost 3-1. Right, yeah. Because we beat them in the League Cup second leg even though we went out when Matic scored and then yeah. I think he was sent off as well wasn't he oh, that's really frustrating and then Fred took that late free kick instead of Mata and then yeah and then we beat him in the league with a, that was a great win yeah probably Fred and McTominay midfield weren't it oh, actually our, re- our recent record against City is that it's even including at Old Trafford is, is honestly surprisingly good we had a torrid record yeah. against them for a no, few years it, but it has been good last recently, two yeah. years it's been yeah. pretty good yeah Apart from League Cup semi-final first legs, that's where we seem to struggle. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, but, uh, just to wrap up very quickly, Fred and McTominay in midfield, I I would imagine Popper can't play. Doubt Matic will come in, although he could. Might not be a bad game for him to play in. Um, and then up front, do you think Ronaldo and Cavani again? I, I would go back to them. Yeah, I think having seen how they worked against Spurs, I think you've got to. 
Yeah. I think it's, as I said earlier, I think the the worry with that two man strike force and Bruno behind is this is the kind of game where they could get very isolated and very frustrated in if we don't have enough to play out from the back and get it to them. Um, and that can be very hard against City and they will press the wing backs and press the centre backs as well and make it difficult. So it would, it needs McTominay and Fred to have good games on the ball. I think they will have good games off the ball because they normally do, but it's about what they do on the ball. I think that will be key. Uh, but yeah, I think definitely Cavani, as I said, I love him. Um, and on that note, an Edison Cavani loving, let's wrap up. Um, thank you for listening, everyone. For more from us throughout the week, our reaction to the City game, but we will be recording on Sunday or Monday, so you'll hear from us. But throughout the week, you can hear Jack on Twitter at... At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can see what I'm saying at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself for every new episode and information about how to become a patron at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. Patrons, thank you very much for your support and for your questions from all of you and those of you who didn't send them. Thank you for your support as well. And we will speak to you next week. Have a great one. Goodbye. Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.